are back in the football shed. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff King is back. Good day. Welcome back, Jeff. And Thanks. Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Um, Roger, you've got a weird beer today. What beer have you got? Well, it's not weird, John. It's just from England. It's called Proper Job. Proper it? Job. It's from St. Austell Brewery in St. Austell in Cornwall. Cornwall. And are you meant to drink it at room temperature? Uh, no, no. It's, it's supposed to be stored in a cool place. Well, we're in the hottest room in Australia right now. <laughs> it's just come out of the fridge. So it's oh, okay. It's true. Uh, have you seen that the news all around the world about this? What's it called? The cold snap. They've called it something like a, a, a toxic whatever. Once in a generation yeah. cold snap. Oh, the cold snap. In not here. Yeah, in not here. And we are not there. No. We're here. No, mm. I got a message from my family today going, it's snowing. I'm like, I wish it was snowing. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not. Hot. It's 40, 47 degrees. It's really hot and sweaty in the football shed. Um, but we are here every week. We're three English blokes that live in Melbourne and have done for a long time now. Um, we record each week in Jeff's shed, hence the name Football Shed. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you enjoy it, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe and tell your mates about it. If you want to get in contact with us, um, you can shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com um, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And every week we start with a question and this week's question is about Man City. Yes. Who you may have seen lost this morning. Before last night or this morning... How many goals had Man City scored since the Liverpool game, where they lost? No, they won two one, didn't they against yeah. Liverpool? Um, had they? How many goals did they scored without conceding any? Thirty one. Forty three. Twenty eight. So oh. not quite that many. There was a. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it's not thirty one. Sure, it's thirty. No, it was definitely twenty eight. Well, it was twenty nine when Aguero scored in the first thirty seconds. Oh, so maybe it was twenty uh, thirty one, including the Liverpool game. Possibly. Oh no, because that was 2-1. Yeah. Yeah, great. This is this great stuff. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they went 28, uh, they scored 28 goals without response, beat Burnley, not what they called. Oh, but one of those Burnley, games nine was the 9-0. Bill Rotherham 7-0, Burnley 5-0. Um, and then they lost to Newcastle this morning. Brilliant. Was it a good performance by Newcastle? Well, they did what Newcastle do, don't they? They just defended and hoped for the best. Well, they do, I'd, go, I'd say they do what Benitez does. Yeah. Not necessarily Newcastle, because we don't when we think of Newcastle, we don't think of defensive solidity. It's a it's a Benitez method and it worked. Like I think what they did really well was uh Man City didn't have a shot on target after the fifty eighth minute. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. So what I mean what Newcastle did was essentially stop Man City from carving out good opportunities. Which is uh, which incredibly is, hard. Which is incredibly hard. Yeah. When you think of Man City, you think there's going to be a lot of opportunities. They're going to go down the wing. They're going to cut it back. Um, by the way, Everton scored a Man City goal this morning. Is exactly the Man City. Scores. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. I'm we'll sure. To that. But I, I mean, expect um, with Man City scoring after 24 seconds, seconds yeah. you're like, oh, here we go. Nine nil. Nine nil. Like yeah. just, that, I did, I almost just switched off from that. You know the coverage of that game because I, I just assumed it was a foregone conclusion. So I, I think Newcastle deserve an enormous amount of credit. But at the same time, I mean, uh, is is this a flaw in Pep's coaching? I mean, Benitez is. I think probably it just shows that Benitez is a very very good coach, and there are aren't many coaches in the world that are better at setting up their teams to defend no. than I, I've got to say if we're going to say is this a pattern is this a what, like a, a, a what's a chink a chink in the armour chink in the armour yeah. mm. Ch- chink chink chink, chink, chink yeah. in the armour yeah. 
Well, essentially, both <laughs> Newcastle goals were caused by chaos. Yeah, yeah. Because the uh, the first one and was defensive mistakes, which which was which was caused by chaos. So the defensive mistake, Fernandinho losing the ball and, and fouling because he lost the ball, was caused by by just getting swarmed on just by chaos from both sides in a position where he's not used to getting swarmed on. Their first goal was just. I mean, there's no better way to describe it. It was chaos. It was just, just the ball over top. Someone put anything on it. Okay, goal. It's yeah. goal. Goal. Yeah. Like the the momentum of life moves that <laughs> ball towards the goal yeah. because it's chaos all moving in the same direction. And I think if we're gonna highlight Man City as the robotic machine as we've done for forever and we're right to do so, it's something quite um, balanced about the thing that destroys that machine being the chaos of life. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. And for Newcastle, like, it's a huge win. And apparently they're going to actually sign a guy. So there's this guy called... Three guys, apparently. Elmiron, who plays in the MLS. And they're paying 20 million for him. Atlanta United, right? Yeah. Yes. And he's like a number 10 or forward. um, And it will break the Newcastle's transfer record of 16 mil for Michael Owen 10 years ago or whatever it was. Um, and so suddenly things are looking up and a couple of loan signings well I think it was a bit of gun to Ashley's head though because there's talk that Benitez essentially came out and said if there's no transfers by 11.59 tonight I'm handing in my uh, I'm out of here yeah which is good. Yeah, but it makes me wonder how much pressure he's put on because supposedly Newcastle have been scouting this bloke for Atlanta for a long time and he's actually a really good player. Yeah, he is. Like, <clears throat> and if, you know, we'll keep this one going because I actually think that's a credit to the MLS. The, the MLS holds talent that's worth £20 million, pounds, whatever. What is it? How much is it? £20, 20 million. Pounds. £20 million, pounds, which, yeah. which for any other club would be a left back. But yes. for Newcastle, <laughs> that's, your, that's your record signing yeah. because it's Newcastle. But yeah. that's credit to the MLS as well. To, that there are gems in that league. That, it's not, that used to be a, a China. It used to be a place yeah. you go to die. And now it's not. It's a place you go as part of your career. Yeah. And you make progress and then suddenly a Premier League club then comes and gets you. Um, is the title over? Have Liverpool won the league? No, we can't say that when we're barely we're halfway or just over halfway through the season. I think it's a significant advantage for Liverpool. I do not see them losing at home against Leicester. Um, That's tomorrow morning we, at seven a.m. Yeah, we talked about they haven't lost a game outside teams outside the top six. Leicester are currently outside the top six. I, I see nothing but a Liverpool win. So it's what, what's that? Seven points. Do you not think though, just because Man City have lost, there's going to be that five percent of them that goes. Oh, yes, we've got this, and they're going to relax a bit. Are they going to, they're going to sleep a bit too well? They're just going to go into tomorrow night and go. Once we've won, we're seven points clear. This is going to be awesome, and it could all go really w- wrong. Will Klopp me. let them do that? Do you think? I don't know. Well, it's, it's, in the, it's in the head. I, I completely agree with you. If the games were the other way round, so if yeah. Liverpool played today and City played tomorrow. So just for those listening who aren't in Australia, we saw half this Premier League. But the time you listen to this podcast, the rest will have played and we don't know what the results are. Yes. So had they been the other way around, I would say that Liverpool would have gone out with the same level of intensity and if Man City would have lost. Things Man City would have gone out with the same intensity anyway because yeah. they had to win anyway. Yeah. But I do think that there might be a drop in Liverpool's performance tomorrow morning. Yeah, I think they're actually. I think there's more pressure on tomorrow morning now because it's suddenly a huge game. There's suddenly that we can be seven points clear. Man City have way more games than Liverpool because they're still in the League Cup final and they're still in the FA Cup. So in the next few weeks, they've got loads of games lined up. Um, and so I think Liverpool might just think, oh yeah, maybe we're going to... And if there's like that slight inkling in their brain of going, oh, maybe we're going to do this, it's going to go wrong. And Leicester have been 
very good this season against the better teams. You know, they beat Man City. But no, I, I disagree. I just, I feel like um, Liverpool have got this at home to Leicester. I certainly don't think the title's over, but I think they'll they'll win this game. Um, Pep came out and said that the players weren't quite at the races this morning. So he said the you know, passing wasn't quite quick and crisp enough. They weren't... Um, you know, as good with their movement as he expects. Like, what what do we put that down to? Like, they have been playing a lot of games, been playing very well. Is it complacency at their end, even though they're not? I think, yeah, I'd say a bit of complacency, a bit of tiredness, um, and I think it's, they play every three days without fail. They generally haven't had a break since. I think Pep said this morning they've had two games every week since November, so there hasn't been a point where they can just go. We've had a few days. Liverpool have been in Dubai for the last week just working on some training and getting some sun and chilling out and removing themselves from this pressure of the situation. Man City, every day. And Guardiola is a hard taskmaster. He's going to push you and push you and push you. And it's basically, there's no let up. And I reckon they went, oh, Newcastle will beat Newcastle. And they probably thought, Rafa doesn't have this in his calendar as a game to win. Um, he'll probably just sit there and defend and we'll get our chances. And once you score a goal in the first 30 seconds, you think, well, we've got this, haven't we? We don't have to do anything. And I think they probably just went, oh, we'll be all right. Yeah. Have you heard Pep Guardiola talk about Elton John? <laughs> no. No. Pep Guardiola. This is from left field? <laughs> Pep Guardiola loves Elton John. Okay. Like loves Elton John. I don't mean the way Elton John loves Pep Guardiola. I mean the love. And when you hear him talk about Elton John, he goes, oh, Elton, I want to, I want to see him in concert. It's, Why does he love Elton John? He just loves Elton John. He's just a big fan of Elton John. But that's okay. But when you hear him express how much he loves Elton John, it's a beautiful thing. Is it? Or is wow. it creepy? <laughs> um, you, you know how you said Benitez wouldn't have had this on his calendar? Yeah. Well, I wonder if a little bit of him would. He still lives on the Wirral. Yeah, true. And he loves Liverpool. I think, I mean, it, it didn't end brilliantly, but the Liverpool fans still love Benitez for, you know, they gave Liverpool some success, obviously won Champions League. He loves Liverpool, they're very close to his heart, he still lives in the area. So I wonder whether a little bit, like, you know, you spe- it, there's two very happy bunch of groups of fans this morning. That's a good point, actually. Like, now Liverpool, uh, Rafa's going to go home to Liverpool and everyone in the shop the oh, yeah, day is just going to go, thank you so much, you'll thank get, you so much. get an extra sausage with his chips. Going from the top of the league to the bottom of the league, um, Fulham beat Brighton 4-2 somehow this morning. What a game. They, Brighton went 2-0 up in the first 20 minutes. Glenn Murray scoring again, because that's what he does as a 47-year-old. Two brilliant yeah. Glenn Murray goals Just as well. Happens. Six-yard box, yeah. like moved about five yards. Good run, but oh, didn't run. move very far. Like Yeah, loved it. Um, and then Fulham from somewhere, they were 2-0 down at half-time, and Brighton had hit the post in the first half as well. Um, and they won 4-2. And I genuinely thought Ranieri has lost it and hasn't got a chance and now suddenly back on board maybe he can do it well it, it gives Same, them yeah. <laughs> gives them hope they're only five points from safety I say only five points from safety to their what they will be looking at is the fact that Southampton are the are fourth from bottom and they have come into some genuine form and Newcastle just beat Man City so it's not the day they wanted to have but all you can do is win and scoring four second half goals yeah. brilliant when they started with Schürrle, Barbel and Mitrovic as a front three like 
five years ago, you could see that being a Champions League team. Like, that's a really good front three. And um, Berber was really good this morning. So he, he was involved in three of the four goals. Uh, looked a threat, was playing on the left-hand side. Um, I, I mean, I... He was such a bit part player, really, when he was here. Like he was, he wasn't exactly a superstar in England. But I, I was really impressed with him this morning. Well, I think because when he came to England, he was bought for quite a lot of money, and he was only nineteen, I think. So I think there was a lot of pressure going to Liverpool as a nineteen-year-old. And then I think he just he got he says himself he got a bit carried away with the whole football lifestyle and stuff, and got bought cars and stuff. And then he's just matured a bit, and now he takes the piss out of himself for having ridiculous cars and haircuts and stuff. How old is uh, he now? Thirty-two. Yeah. So okay. he's, wow. He's, he's, he's a big unit too. Yeah. Like he's he's really imposing, and having him and Mitrovic up front, yeah. it's it's just intimidating thing to come up against. Mitrovic on the I think it coming was the third goal or the first fourth goal, but it was brilliant. Like he bullied a couple of centre backs, like won the won the first ball, held it up, gave it off, and then got it back again, and like was involved in everything. And that's when like Mitrovic is such a um, like. What's the way to describe it? Like, perfect player for Newcastle. No, he's either he's either <laughs> they, 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 they got robbed on. He's he's either on or he's off, and there's such a massive difference between the two. But when he's up for it, he can be a real handful. I think my favourite thing about Fulham in this game was Fulham haven't been able to defend all season, and this game started exactly the same way. And it's kind of like Ranieri at some point during this game told them, "Don't worry, just forget about defending. We're not very good at it. Just attack. <laughs> just go. Just for go." It. Like it was absolutely. You talked about chaos before with the Man City game. This was chaos. Yeah. Like Fulham, just they can't defend. So maybe this is how they stay up. Maybe they just go with guns blazing. And at this point in the season, I think the people at the teams at the bottom are going we have to make something happen so there's no point Ranieri coming in at half time and going oh this is another we'll, we'll work it out next week you have to go all out for um, that game there and then and you have to win points and it's actually really close at the bottom um, Fulham have closed it up a little bit but I had a look at the fixtures for the bottom five or six teams and everyone basically plays against each other over the next few weeks yeah so over the next four or five weeks, no one in the bottom seven plays anyone from the top six. Wow. So they're all playing against wow. each other and against mid-table teams. So this, the next four or five weeks is where you're going to make a massive ground. bearing on yeah. the relegation fight. Yeah, okay. Mm. Um, so Fulham won 4-2. Man United got an amazing draw. It, it was amazing. I'll, I'll, I'll give him his dues. It, it was quite incredible. It was ridiculous. Um, Burnley were really good. I watched the majority of this game and Burnley were excellent. They just did what Burnley always used to do is defend, 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 defend really well. And then when you get a chance, take it. Um, Ashley Barnes was good up front. They played Ashley Barnes and Chris, Chris Wood. Wood. Yeah. Two massive lumps up front. Um, Isn't it funny because Barnes are made of wood? <laughs> Isn't that a thing? Do you think that's, that's... They got that when they were scouting him. They're like, oh, we've got, we've got some wood. We've got some wood. I'll tell you what's next. We could, we could get some Barnes. Well, no, they bought Barnes first, though, so they uh, went the wrong way around. The deconstructed Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago, um, chopping Joe Hart, and since mm. then, Burnley's fortunes have have turned. Uh, Heaton was good again today. Um, I, I was a bit disappointed they couldn't get over the line because I thought they really deserved to win this game. They, you know, I like Sean Dyche, and he set up perfectly for this game. And let's not forget. Solskjaer's won every game so far, but you can't. You're right. You can't help but admire, like 
confidence and momentum is a wonderful thing in football and United have just got it at the moment the, the Labrador has got them going and in I mean it, it was like the United of old you just felt when as soon as you got that first goal with the penalty yeah. you were like they're going to get another you one you knew here. this was going to happen and, you know you genuinely thought they were going to win 3-2 yeah. Yeah. didn't, didn't yeah. you feel yeah. that yeah. you're like I'm just like this is going to happen this is going to happen 10 minutes start, of injury yeah. time here we yeah. go and, yeah. but I think watching it the great thing to watch from a, as a Man United fan, is that when we went a goal down and 2-0 down, it wasn't, oh, we're just going to sit and wait on this, or we'll work it out, or we'll slowly make a plan, and we'll get a chance and score. It was just like, right, fuck it, attack. Everyone just attack constantly. We'll leave one person, two people at the back, and we'll just go for it. And it's refreshing as a Man United fan to watch it and go, oh, that's what we was used to do. And yeah, it might not always work, but it's just that enthusiasm. The crowd got behind them and they just went for it. And you end up with a point. And the, um, the other interesting thing, one of the main protagonists in the comeback was Sanchez. Again, in that it was his shot that was saved for Lindelhoff to win it at the end. Yeah. Um, Rashford, we've talked about, has been brilliant since Solskjaer came in. Uh, in the FA Cup, he went with Lukaku and um, Sanchez up front. And Lukaku was a really good couple of assists including yeah. a, a brilliant slide rule pass which yeah. you don't necessarily associate, associate with big Romelu but Sanchez looked sharp as well and took his goal really well and you're like shit if he can actually get you know that front five or six as a group playing well and and pushing each other yeah. then United do have a, a you know some pretty decent players there and that's what I was saying a couple of weeks ago is that once you get one or two playing well everyone else wants to be part of it and so when you get your chance, if you're Lukaku or Sanchez, you come in and go, oh, I want to be part of this and I want to score goals and I want to win and be part of the team. And now suddenly you go, oh, they're scoring. Who do I pick? And it just creates this momentum of like positive positivity and it's, confidence. It is so evident. But I, I tell you what, the more I see it, the more I'm with Jeff as well. Like they are, I don't necessarily think it's the right decision, but they are going to find it very hard to not offer Solskjaer the job don't do if, this, it. if this keeps going. Yeah. I just, it, how can you not? It'll all fall apart. You'll be back to square one if you don't. And that was unexpected. We thought that the end of the season would be square one intentionally, yeah. but you wouldn't be propelled back to square one by making the same choice that you planned to do. If you make the Champions League... Mm. If we make the Champions and League, say you know, forget about winning a competition. But if you make the Champions League, would you give him a shot at it next year or not? No, I, I wouldn't give him a shot if he wins every game between now and the end of the season, and wins the FA Cup and wins the Champions League. Because I want the next person to be hired to be the same manager that's going to be in charge in five years' time, and that's not going to be Ole Gunnar. Now they're thinking with Moyes. The thing is, he'll get sacked. That's the thing. If you give him the job, which you will have to do. He will be sacked by November after yeah. his first bad run, which means you're back to square one. You're in a lose-lose situation right yeah. now. No, you get rid of because if if the club come out and say this is what our plan is, and Ollie's behind it, and it is hire someone else, hopefully Pochettino, and that's because we have a three-year, five-year plan for the club. Think will, he'll, he'll, he's not going to be behind that though. No, there will be a, a fan revolt because he is a beloved. I was going to say love child. He is, he is, he is, <laughs> is a beloved child of the of the club. He represents the greatest night in your modern history. Going, you know, scoring that last minute winner against Bayern Munich. He yeah. is that. He's come in. He's he's brought back what you've been missing for the last six years that you haven't even haven't yeah. even witnessed. Yeah. Like you had Van Gaal as your manager. Yeah. So so for for fans, you're starting to believe again. You're starting to enjoy it again. So the idea that someone who you emotionally have an attachment to 
is going to be removed, even though he's performing better than any other Manchester United manager since Alex Ferguson, there will be a revolt from the fans. And I'm not saying it's the right choice. In fact, it's the opposite. I agree with you. I think it's the wrong choice to give him the job. I don't think he has the experience required to get through the second season, the third season. However, you've put yourself in a lose-lose situation. Yeah, no, I think the fans would be fine. If we get the man that we want, which is Pochettino, and there's a clear indication of, yeah, it's Pochettino, and there's a director of football come in, and there is an actual sign of progress, and we've signed X, Y, and Z, then people will be fine with it. I have, I don't think anyone will be but upset the, about the it. the sooner you can do that, the better. Because if yeah. you, like... I think if you announce that now, fine. But if it's end of the season, which it will be, and he continues to do great things, then I yeah, it's going to be tough. I don't think you want Pochettino. I do. I think he's. I think he's. He's a stalker weirdo. No, I think he's brilliant. <laughs> doesn't, he, doesn't he record people he in the shower re- and stuff, isn't he? That? No, he, 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 he has lots people... of video cameras. I don't, yes. The shower people... suggestion might be a bit slanderous, Jeff. Well, I, I, look, I was. Asking the question, <laughs> merely asking the question, is he the guy that records people in the shower? No, he's the guy who records people when they arrive for training. So how close is he to being that guy? <laughs> Would you say he's 85% there? No, but he's probably in the shower with them anyway. So. Would, okay, so 70% there. Which is closer than you should be to being that guy that records you in the shower. He's Okay, I'll put it this way. He is much closer to Mourinho as a character than he is to Solskjaer. He's another very, very intense, driven, process-driven manager. Um, but I mean, you have to respect what he's done at Spurs on a limited budget, and you look and it, and we've now got a significant sample size there. And I could see why John wants Pochettino. To- and all the players at Spurs love him and believe in him. And I think we'd, if he came, we'd get Harry Kane too, which would be nice. Moving on from Man United, um, Everton played this morning, Jeff, and you scraped a one 0 win. Were you were you happy with your win? Uh, down to ten men. Well, it down to ten men. I've been seeing Lucas Digne has been getting a kick in on the internet for for getting sent off. So if you, if you haven't seen the game, he was last man. Can't remember who it was. He'd run through. Dinier should have been closer to the to the man to have not even that much space. But he basically took one for the team. Ran behind the striker, clipped his legs, and just started walking off. Knew it was a red card. So you know, credit to him. We would have drawn that game had that gone in. And fair enough. It's just so hard because you look at the table and Everton are sitting. Now you guys go fifteen minutes to Everton on the one week that I wasn't here. So yes. I, I, not only do I resent that because I because <laughs> I like the opportunity, and he's and Everton are on the band list every week I am yes. here. I want to just not talk about them that much, but I do think that when you look at the table, you think okay, Everton are eighth, one place off the top of the. Everton they're doing Cup. pretty well in the Everton Cup. Yeah. No, but the thing is, they're horrible to watch. It's horrible football. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that something needs to change, and this is one of my huge problems with everything at the moment. The the gut reaction. <laughs> don't laugh at that. I've got lots of problems with everything. And the the gut reaction is is okay. Well, Everton are playing shit football. Change manager. Change manager, crap signing. Sign a whole bunch of new players, get a whole bunch of new managers, and in six months' time, judge them again, and then sack them all. But that's what's caused this. But that's the whole problem. So this kind of rhetoric of, oh, is silver under pressure. Let's take eighth in the Premier League, okay? So we'll, do, we'll park that for a second. Please don't put this guy under pressure. We need time in football. David Moyes, during his tenure at Everton, finished 18th, sorry, 17th. Yeah. 
just one the, above the relegation. The year after he got into the Champions League, it didn't make him a good or a bad manager either way, did it? He he didn't. Oh, he did win manager of the year when he got to the Champions League. But fair enough, he was managing Tony fucking Hibbert and Alan yeah. Stubbs. Like he did it. He did a good job, but he, he didn't get the sack when he fin- when he finished seventeenth. You just have to give managers time. You talk about Pochettino. If he didn't have time to install his system in the youth academy, would the players be coming through now be like Harry Winks, be like Deli Alley? No, you give the man time. But we are in a system where anyone from seventh down, it is completely rigged against you. Yeah. Now, now, okay, let me let me give this some yeah, some some backstory, right? So we have created rules that restrict the progress of football clubs. Now, Man City were trailblazers. However, Man City trailblazed a change of structure and a change of rule. So, so when there wasn't a, a... What's it called when you have a new owner come in and, and you do checks and balances off whether they're a war criminal? Oh, uh, due re- diligence. Due diligence. Yes. The, the fair and honest person. Right and, and proper. That's it, the right. Yeah. Now, that didn't happen before the bloke, before the Sheikh Monsieur bought Manchester City. Do you remember? He was a Thai guy who was convicted of war crimes, you know, and no no one cared because he pumped loads of money in. Okay, so we'll change the rules, have due diligence. That's a good good thing, isn't it? But we'll do it just after Sheikh Monsieur comes in. Great. Okay, so now they've got five days when Sheikh Monsieur comes in to to create a dynasty. So they sign Rubinho. Now they sign Rubinho, which right now, if you were Man City, and Man City's financial limitations the way yesterday's money and today's money goes you'd be in lieu of financial fair play if sort of 30 million pounds on the last day of the season you'd have to have a mercenary you have to have someone who wants to go to Manchester City who doesn't remember that day he yeah. thought he was signing for Chelsea he gave an interview going oh, it's a pleasure signing for Chelsea and going to London no mate you're, you're in Manchester <laughs> bring your umbrella yeah. like it so okay we'll change the rules so that doesn't happen again then the next year Manchester City got Mark Hughes. Yeah. Now Mark Hughes basically put a shopping list out for Premier League players he'd heard of because yeah. Mark Hughes is an idiot. Yeah. So they spent a lot of money on Premier League players that they'd heard of. Now I'm not going to go through the whole yeah. progression of Manchester City but the, the point I'm making is it's impossible to do that now because at every stage of progress of Manchester City rules have changed that have restricted the capability of clubs to do that again. But like, Man City got banned for by financial fair play for two seasons from Europe, so they got a they got a sanction for that, we, and their shake has to go through the everyone who's a owner of a club still has to go through the right and proper correct. And, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that we should be inviting a bunch of war criminals into to manage yeah. clubs. I'm just just saying that that trailblazing effort by Manchester City has changed the landscape of football because the restrictions put in place by people going well that's not fair that's not fair that's not fair so so what are you talking more so the amount of money that they've been able to bring in has made it so if, if Everton have that much money they can't do the same scenario yeah I'm not talking about just does it Everton. really work like that though because what about PSG well, the, well I'm not talking about Everton necessarily here I'm talking about about West Ham, I'm talking about Spurs to a degree. Mm. Um, I'm talking about Wolves. Yeah, Wolves have circumvented it with their with their loan system, but Wolves are going to come into some serious scrutiny if they continue the way they're going. Uh, so what's happened is it's created this the 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 top six of the top six. Man City have made a top four, a top six, and Spurs have, have done a good job. So I, I look at clubs in that medium tier and I go, well, how do you achieve that? What do you do? Do you get players for cheap from abroad? Hope they make it. Why are they coming to you? Are they coming to you because they'll be in the shop window and they'll eventually get a top six club? Is that their purpose? Look at Felipe Anderson at, at West Ham. Is he coming because he loves West Ham? No. Or is he coming because 
all the top six clubs thought he was a bit flaky, but really good. He's coming to show that he's exceptional. And that he, if he signed for Spurs, if he signed for Manchester United, that would work out just fine. Look at Arnautovic. So, so Man City, sorry, so West Ham have got this player who, who they physically can't pay enough to 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 fend off him wanting to go to China because it's his childhood boyhood club. That middle um, section of teams, the Everton Cup teams, they do have that twelfth to seventh. Yeah, they have that problem in that. Um, yeah, they can't buy. You can't buy a sixty million pound striker because they want to go to the top six. But can, so, can, but, can I just can you with, with financial fair play? Yeah. Just explain. Do, do, are the rules that stringent? Are there not ways to circumvent it? That if you have lots of money, you can get around it and just sign loads of players. Or you can't not that? really. You can. The, you kind of can, kind of can't. With all things, they can. You can fiddle the books a bit. Um, but basically, it's done on your uh, turnover yeah. and the percentage of your turnover of how much you spend on um, players. Now, you can... Man City are sponsored by the Etihad Stadium is their sponsor and the Etihad give them loads of money to be their sponsor. Happens that Etihad is obviously the airline of Abu Dhabi and the owners of Ab- Man City are Abu Dhabi shakes. Yeah. So there's that kind of loop. So that happens. Um, you'll get clubs who have mates or ways round and go, well, we'll buy you a, we'll sponsor your training ground or whatever. So, so that's what people This do. is my main point, right? I agree with Jeff to an extent, but I think you can apply it to the world and the way the world works. And it's a yeah. massive frustration with it as a system, but essentially the system is designed by people with lots of money and lots of wealth and they want to keep the system the way it's going because they benefit and they make the rules and that's happened for a very long time so I think you can make the system work for you all you need is a shitload of money so I think some of these other teams could make it in and the way that they would have to do it in the current system is just by throwing a shitload of money at it. and I, I don't think I, it's I, right I disagree, but... I mean I agree that it's a world problem and the, the clubs that were having their feathers ruffled other clubs with most money where Man City were doing their business and they're the ones who wanted who, who you know you lobby for these these rule changes I'm not going to be a, a conspiracy theorist but you know it's very it's not a surprise that the wealthy remain wealthy and the top four remain the top four and you look at well, that medium team uh, Leicester's a great example <laughs> right so Leicester went on win, won the league what an incredible time of our lives that was for everyone yeah. less fans non-Leicester fans it doesn't matter however what happened well, they got in the Champions League. It's great. Well. They did all right in the Champions League. Now they're in the fucking Everton Cup again. Yeah. Because their best players, even though they won the league, their best players had to be bought a bloody Matarazzi to, yeah. to stay for the Champions League season. And then they, they disperse, apart from Jamie Vardy, who's, who's you know 46 years old, yeah. and go, the Kante's gone, Mares is gone, because they go to the clubs that in the first place they wanted to go who can afford their wages because the turnover of those clubs are such that they're not going to be in jeopardy for, for doing what they need to do to remain successful. Okay, say we are multi-billionaires, which might happen one day, I doubt it, but you never know. Um, but say we're in the positions to buy a club, and say we buy Watford, who are sitting ninth in the league, and we've got shed loads of money, would you just for four years, or for example, go? We'll just buy all the best players, pay them huge wages because we've got a bottomless pit of money. Doesn't matter, and we'll just send it. We will get banned from Europe for three years, 
But once that ban from Europe's over, we're at that top table. Do you just go in going, we know we're going to break the rules, but after three years we'll even out because we've won the league twice in a row and because we've got so far in cups and stuff. Do you use it as a just, we'll just dive in and then work it out later? Absolutely not because cause it's... Comp- because and this is it's a full circle because the system's rigged. So if you were to do that and you're going to spend, I'm going to spend three hundred thousand pounds a week on every one of my first eleven. You're going to attract players who don't aspire to win cups and win trophies and play in Europe. You're going to attract players that want three hundred thousand pounds a week. And when we watch some of the abject Everton performances over the last two months, you're looking at some players who make a hundred, hundred and twenty thousand pounds a week who don't necessarily have the same spot. Uh, spirit and fight that someone like Tom Davis had when you watched the Everton game this morning or Leighton Baines had when you watched the Everton game this morning so you'll attract a bunch of Rubinos it's the the turning point for Manchester City was when they attracted Yaya Toure and David Silva and that was what 10 years ago or whatever Mm -hmm. 8 years ago because they were players that were at their peak who bought into a, a project but if it was they were the turning points and then maybe Sergio Aguero if it wasn't for those no one would even be taking the project seriously. They had, they had, they had a bunch of kind of ex-Blackburn players, and they what was that name? Rocky Santa, Rocky Cruz. Santa Cruz, Benjani, Craig Bellamy, yeah. Joe, yeah. like some shocking signings. Because these players, Joe, who was played up front for Brazil, would rather sign for Manchester City because he get paid more than actually try to be a better footballer at a top club, which he could have got the move to. Man City has their faults from the financial ends and stuff, but. What they've done now, and I guess they've been in charge for about 10 years-ish. What they've done now is there you can see that there's um, a structure in place. And what they've built as an academy and they've built a plan. And it's been there's been years of it being like over-the-top spending on Robinho and Alano and all these kind of things. But now they've got to a point where they've got so many good kids, they're just selling them. It's to more sustainable. Yeah. yeah. And so to make that progress into the top six... And if you've got the money, you've got to have a long-term plan. I think a lot of people, and I say when I say people, I mean owners of clubs who come in and like the Everton owner or whatever and think, oh yeah, we're going to get in the Champions League. We'll just spend £400 million on players. And that's not how it works. You need a youth system. You need a coaching plan. You need a structure as a club and you need to progress players. And at the same time, you need to keep fans on board so they're not turning around and going, Marco Silva out. Because you need to sell the four or five year plan which yeah. in a society where you need everything instantly is very difficult but you have to do that so, but the pro- one of the, I agree with everything you just said but one of the problems um, uh, one, of, one of the problems <laughs> Jeff's I, waving a drumstick at me right now <laughs> the rage but one of the problems I see is we live in a shorter term environment in football than we did even five years ago so if you are selling a four or five year plan let's say you're Leicester you won the league the players who stay you you sell a four or five year plan to the players you bring in you go look look at this photo of us winning the league two years ago our four or five year plan because we've already done it before is to get into the Champions League this is how we're going to do it those players will stay there for one year a year and a half and if they're good enough to be part of a plan that will get you into the Champions League they will be cherry picked and they will be cherry picked by clubs that can afford to pay them twice the wages who sit at the top of the table and can do it every single year and on that are the cherry picked things the big clubs the big six don't have to really gamble on, like we were saying about Newcastle spending £20 million on this guy, no one in the top six would ever spend 20 if they, they, could, they could afford it, and he might be perfect for them. But what they do is they allow Newcastle to buy him for £20 million. If he's brilliant, you buy him for £60 million in two years' time, and you don't have any of the risk. 
because you just go, well, he's proved it, like you're saying about Philippe Anderson. Well, although there's, a, there's plenty of flops if you go over the last few oh, years. Oh, there's you know, plenty like, of flops, but you, you negate the risk. If you've suddenly, like... Shakiri. Shakiri is the, yes. the, this year's greatest example. No one took a punt on Shakiri when he went to Stoke because, again, everyone thinks he's a bit flaky, not sure what this kick can but do. I, but I don't, I'd go even further. I don't think anyone... Liverpool signed him because he had a re- release clause for not much money. Now, no one was really in for him because they still think he's a bit flaky now having been at Stoke. So I, I don't know if that's necessarily a bit different. I think people saw Liverpool as taking a risk on Shakiri, and they were happy to let Liverpool do it. But if you take Van Dijk, Van Dijk was at Celtic and anyone who watched Celtic regularly, which is a lot of people in Scotland but not far outside that, and this only information I know comes from Chris Sutton who listens to him on the radio, he watched Celtic a lot. And was just like, this kid is ridiculous. He's yeah. like, 2021 is like, he's the best defender in the world. He will be the best defender in the world. It's obvious. He's amazing. No one in the Premier League would gamble apart from Southampton. Southampton went, yeah, we can grab him for 10 mil, 12 mil, give him a go. And then at that point, everyone goes, oh, yeah, we've trust, you see him in the league for two years, we trust that he is brilliant. And, then, and people don't go for that gamble. I think what the middle tier of teams need to do is make the Van Dyke gambles at the Celtic level and get it right. And you're, you're 100% right. And you look at a player like Andre Gomez, right? So in November, we were talking about how amazing Andre Gomez is. We got him on loan from Barcelona. Andre Gomez is having exactly the season he needs to have to stay at Everton. Yep. He was amazing before November. Now, from November to now, he's been a bit flaky. Yeah, yeah some signs of light this morning, but, you know, gone off the boil, which is what Everton as a football club they need or else they're not going to get him. Because at the beginning of the year, he was too good for that club. And now he's probably about flaky enough to stay there. But then if he stays there for one year, a year and a half, and you know reaches the potential, but yet the football club doesn't miraculously have a, a generation of players all coming through in their first year exactly the same way, he's going to get plucked. So what even is the route for progress for clubs like that? Well, we should move on. I've got... I suppose just to play devil's advocate a bit, and in terms of, I mean, how long have we had the big six for now? Would we say? Oh, two or three years. Two now. or three years. Yeah, and the, there was the less because before it was the big four. Like, what? What are we now? To ten years of the big yeah. four? Like, it does. There are shifts over time. You know, you look at historically in the life of the Premier League. There, yes, there are some constants. You know, like Man United generally, although even United dropped out for a while. Yeah. Um, in recent years, but generally there are some shifts, and there are you know people talk when Blackburn first came up at the start of the Premier League, people talked about the system being broke because effectively Blackburn got promoted. They had a really rich guy in charge. He bought a new eleven, and they won the Premier League within a year. And so people said at that time, "Oh, we you know we can't have this. This is all this is all going to change." Um, you know, Villa have been a massive club. It does. There are these cycles, so I don't. I agree with you that I think it's now massively leveraged towards the teams at the top. You know, we talked about the European Super League that they're talking of starting and having conditions in there like these uh, foundation teams can never be relegated from it and things like that. Like these guys are making the rules, but generally there are cycles. So I still hold out some hope that, you know, there'll but be I, some change. I do think within those cycles, the middle tier teams if they're going to make the jump from there to the top, then the owners need to be realistic about what that looks like. So if you come into yeah. Everton 
and you go, we want to be in the top four. Being in the top four means that you have a brilliant scouting work, you have a great youth system, you have a coach that's in place that has a system that's played across the club, and it also can motivate players who come in who might be going, I just want to get a taste of the Premier League, but making sure that you get the best out of them for two years, three years, if they need to move on. You don't just do a Leicester, win the league, and then... They spend they got, make your plan. You've got to be a Spurs, I suppose. Yeah, so, and I think yeah. Spurs are the best They're the example. example of that because they don't spend big money. They haven't spent any money this year. Um, they do have a very rich owner, um, but they've got the system in place where if Pochettino leaves, and when he does leave, that shouldn't fall apart. So, like, Pochettino's a big part of that, and he's the motivator and drives it all, which the manager, I think, of the team should. But... In fundamentally everything's in place for them to carry on where they are for another 5-10 years however I'm going to say however when it, when it comes to Spurs Spurs have not been a successful club they haven't won anything they haven't won a single thing Southampton yeah. uh, Portsmouth have been more successful than Spurs in the last 10 years 15 yeah. years Wigan Athletic have been more successful than Spurs which which depends how you define success yeah. though like reg- regular Champions League football for Sp- Spurs fans I'm sure is deemed uh, more financially successful Spurs have been more financial which you get money for being in the Champions yeah. League you get to see yourself play against Real Madrid and that's a lot of fun but when it comes to success it really is winning stuff it is but I do think and watch Spurs lost in the FA Cup this week and went out and Pochettino came out and said winning trophies is just for your ego now I think that's a crap statement and I don't really believe it but I don't really believe he believes in it I think he was just protecting well if he said it before the game I think it's more relevant than if he said it after they've just lost but what Spurs have done is progressed over the last five years to a point where the whole club has moved up Wigan won a cup and then fell off a cliff and Leicester won the league and fell off a cliff I'd rather be in Spurs' position and getting that progress. Yes, you want to win trophies, and yes, they need to make the next step. But I, they have moved club. They've I agree, moved stadium. Harry Kane has not won a single cup. But he might win the Nations League soon. He might win the Nations <laughs> League. But, like, Sonogo from Arsenal has won two. Yeah. And Harry Kane's not won a single cup. So when, when, when the whole Arsenal-Spurs rivalry kicks in, Arsenal, in the time Spurs have been, as we agree, very good... Mm. Arsenal have been more successful. Yeah. They have won more trophies in a time where we all consider Arsenal to be shit and Spurs to be very good. Arsenal is still a better club in, during that period. Yeah. It's really hard to, to reconcile. And I think that's the problem with the going back full circle to the big clubs being so big. To compete against them on a constant basis, you need to match them as a whole, like Spurs are doing. Yeah. Whereas you can... Spurs, if they wanted to, could just go... And sometimes I think they should... Right, FA Cup, just win it. Don't worry about anything else, just make sure we win the FA but, Cup and they could win but the But the difficulty with that is to, to sustain their being at that table, they need to be in the Champions League. Yes. So they've always got to prioritise that. I mean, I honestly think, I think Spurs have done very well. I think the only thing holding them back at this point is spending the big money on the big signings to really take them up to that next level. Yeah. Spurs are two years away from disappearing yeah, quite uh, a sweeping statement. I think if they lose Pochettino, they lose their structure. And they lose Kane. And, and the, yeah. the fact that they will be paying off their stadium for the next five years means that they are going to be... You can't have a transfer window like they had last summer and this January and not be eventually in a right pickle, to and choose yet, your words. If they win tomorrow, they're only two points behind Man City. After all, we've 
you know, the Man City Machine talk yeah. this year. So they're they're doing all right. Third, third in the league, the third in the league trophy. They haven't even won the Everton Cup. <laughs> um, moving on, um, FA Cup happened last week. Everton, West Ham, and Spurs all lost. And in the next round, um, Chelsea play Man United. So kind of just not massive discussion on this, but just why is no one just trying to win the FA Cup? Like, Bristol City could win the FA Cup at this rate, Rog. Don't say that, John. Don't well, say I'm, that. I want to say it because then it won't happen. Yeah. But so I, I've said it, it'll go out I did like the FA Cup this week, though, as well, in that there were um, some upsets. Mm. There were, it, was a weekend, it was a weekend for the FA Cup. Where there was some proper ups. I mean, the Shrews, Shrewsbury and Wolves to all uh, Wimbledon beat West Ham. Jeff, did you want to touch on the Everton uh, and Millwall game? I mean, I, I thought it was a cracking result for the FA Cup, but there was some other. There was another side of this game that was um, pretty deplorable. Yeah, well, there were two things. Firstly, to do with the football, their second goal with handball, yes. and their in the FA Cup a competition with VAR, but not just everywhere. Because, not everywhere. So you can have VAR, yeah. but but not away. You're not allowed it away from home, you cunts. Like what a. But uh, to be fair, like watching all the goals Everton conceded, like just defend a set Such piece. Such a joke. Yeah. Like, they're so bad. But just for anyone at home who's missed it, it was a handball and it was a clear handball. Yeah. And then Millwall in the stadium, they showed it on the stadium big video and the coach Mill was like turn it off turn it off turn it off because he knew that it was a handball can we, can we talk so I, I'm so sorry because I'm talking a lot today but the, um, so Everton can't defend set pieces yeah. right that, that is a yeah. well documented fact so I did a bit of looking into the reason why that is this week now you know Marco Silva plays our hybrid zonal marking style yeah. have you read that so yeah. When you, you try and understand it and then watch some footage, so essentially plays zonal marking. However, he chooses certain players to mark certain players man to man. So if he, if in the pre-game analysis he will choose a player and go, okay, this guy's dangerous, right? So you stick on him, everyone else is zonal. Now, he's only been in charge of this football club for, what, seven months? That's going to take some getting used to. It really is, especially when you had Big Sam before and it was just, Flat back, four, stand still. Yeah. Like, just don't let anyone pass yeah. it. So that's a, it's a very complex and, and kind of advanced footballing strategy. When it works, I'm sure it's going to be great. But right now, it is really not working. Yeah. And the, for their goal that had the handball, Yeri Mina was the bloke who was meant to be man marking, and he's the biggest man on the pitch. So something's wrong with that. Well. The, the problem when you do that, though, is you end up with two defenders next to each other who have a different mindset. Yeah. And you end up with one going, I've got to protect my space, and one going, I've got to follow this guy. As soon as that guy, like if you're playing against Everton and you know that they do that, and I'm the guy who's getting man marked, I'll run into the zonal marking guy yeah. because that means they run into each other. And then it's and two, then two defenders on one. And two defenders on one. Someone yeah. else is free, or they've fallen over and knocked into each other, and I've won the header. You're, you're exactly right. And there's a reason why it's not a common footballing practice. But obviously, he. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just a crap idea. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting to think that that much thought goes into such terrible defending. Yeah. Um, but secondly, I think the the crowd trouble before the game, yeah, it's awful. that is a disgrace. Like, no, there was racist chanting at the game. The and game. when I say racist chanting, it was against Scousers. So it was, well, but the the song itself had racial yeah, undertones okay, yeah. compared to, to Scousers. That's a disgrace. And the some bloke got his face slashed from ear to mouth in the brawl before the game yeah. Yeah. and do you know there, there was something as well that annoyed me about like obviously I think we don't see that much of it in football anymore which is great 
and it's gross when when we do see it um, and it just completely takes away from the result and the football side of it which is what we should be celebrating but the the Millwall owner came out afterwards and said yes there was some trouble but he just touched on that briefly and he spent most of the time talking about how it's not just a Millwall issue you know, he was like, look at Chelsea. They've just had, you know, racism issues. Look at what happened at Spurs and Arsenal when there was a banana thrown on the pitch. I hated that yeah. because I, every, Millwall do have a reputation and generally where there's smoke, there's fire and they have a reputation for a reason. And I think one of the reasons is that the ownership of that club has not been strong enough in terms of trying to get rid of it. No, so I'm, I'm going to disagree because the ownership of that club, they won Community Club of the Year in 2017 because they have put in huge amounts of effort into changing the reputation and huge amounts of effort into making Millwall lose that Hobbit guys movie so what yeah. about when the owner comes out and does that? No, so yeah, no. I think he was bad in saying that, but I think what he's basically tried for the however many, how long he's owned the club is to change the reputation of Will, Millwall because ninety five percent of their fans oh, are great yeah. fans, and there's a few knobs which you get anywhere. He was wrong to say that in that like, oh look at this club, look at that club, look at this club because but it is a wider problem. But when it comes to something happens at your club, you've got to deal with that scenario. Yeah, yeah and you I, take I, that on the chin. I agree, think. and I, I think it's... Um, I don't think it's Mill's fault. Uh, mm. I'm, it's a disgrace, but I'll give that some, some background. I think, you know, there are some clubs that are geographically down the road. Charlton Athletic, uh, Crystal Palace, they're down the road from Millwall. Yeah. The same demographic of human being who goes to the same Tesco's around the corner support different clubs. However... Millwall has traditionally attracted a certain type of person who lives in that demographic and a certain type of person who doesn't want that in their life goes for Charlton or goes for Crystal Palace which means that it almost by reputation subsets that demographic of London and and if you want that in your football you go for Millwall when you have the option of going for these clubs that don't have that so for Millwall to stamp it out is very very hard yeah. and, and you forget about that side of football because we're in Australia so football brings us together yeah. like it genuinely does yeah. if you meet anyone in this country who likes the Premier League you talk about it it you doesn't matter it. who they support doesn't matter you have a great time everyone's got an opinion it's great when you're in the United States it's exactly the same yeah. when you're in England sometimes it isn't yeah. and we forget that in tribal fact, lines are drawn yeah and, and mm-hmm. football can divide people in the UK and it's ironic that the every country that isn't the country of origin can unite over this one game, but the country where it's played can divide over. Everyone's divided. Mm. Um, someone who else is divided, is this a segue? Maybe this works. It's Hudson Odoi. <laughs> divided surname? By name, you mean, or <laughs> by club? He just doesn't know what to do. <laughs> well, actually, I think he does know what to do. He wants to go to Bayern. Um, but did you see his goal in the FA Cup? Yeah. His goal was utterly incredible. Um, I think it's uh, like underrated yeah. if it, I don't think there's enough talk about it but like the, the, the first touch is amazing and then the little drag inside and then to finish on your wrong foot yeah. like I reckon you could probably count the players that could do that in the Premier League on one hand it was very Ronaldo-esque it was absolutely brilliant but he's still at Chelsea so going on to the kind of transfer updates if anyone's got any transfer updates he's still at Chelsea and he's handed in a transfer request but they've just said you're not going anywhere. he's not going anywhere I, I just want him to go. Like, let him go. Let him have his career and do his thing. He's desperate to do it. He'd be brilliant. Just let him go. 
It's not happening. They're, Bayern are not going to sign him. There's talk that it will linger on all the way to the summer. So that if they don't get him now, they'll, they'll get him in the summer. So what Chelsea is trying to do is lock him down to a new contract. Pay him more. Yeah, pay more for the next uh, next six months. But it'll have a buyout clause in it that will meet Chelsea's valuation of it, which he doesn't currently have. So uh, that's what. Okay. So basically, Chelsea are just stonewalling him, going, no, yeah. you owe us this, do this, or we're just going to bench you. Um, Talking about transfers, yeah, go on. on Altovich. Yes, he's staying. He is staying. And this did, is a bizarre story. Okay, it? so, so on Altovich, uh, after the... Who do they lose to? AFC Wimbledon? By the way, credit AFC Wimbledon. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, that's brilliant. A couple of good goals. Uh, yeah. It came, there was a video that was made that was released after the game where he says he's like dedicated and staying and signing a new deal and whatever, which essentially means that they're just going to pay him more money to not go. Did you see that he broke his foot this morning? Yes. Oh, did he? Yeah, he's out for ages. <laughs> oh, he's crutches, moon boot. The, the guy's fucked. So he just signed this new deal with all this money two days before. See you later for six months. You haven't got me anyway. Thanks for your money. Six I'm off to China on holiday. His new months. contract wasn't any longer. His new contract was the same amount of time, just more money. Just more money. Ugh. So it's, uh, yeah, it's fine. Um, well, on Chelsea with the transfers... One of the more bizarre ones, from my point of view, was Moses. Yeah, he's gone to he's gone to Fenerbahce on loan. Yeah. Now we talked about Chelsea last week and their you know slightly odd approach to, to transfers and loans, and that they haven't currently got a director of football in place, and perhaps that's why some of this is happening. Two years ago, Moses was one of the best right wing backs in. England, yeah, possibly in, in Europe, Europe and yeah. look brilliant. Now I find this going to Fenerbahce really odd. Like, surely there is another team in the Premier League or the Championship that would want those. Is is it the fact that Chelsea won't let him go? Or I was is it say, Chelsea won't let him go to UK for everyone at home as well. There's a thunderstorm happening. Just we're not all wetting ourselves. Um, but I don't think Chelsea we'll sweat. Um, Chelsea will let him go to someone in the UK, and Fenerbahce are loaded. They're also like so, bottom of the Turkish well, league. Well, they're in a real pit trouble, um, but they're loaded, so they can pay his wages. So Chelsea, what you think have said, no, you can't go... They, they won't let him go to a rival. But surely they'd let him go to the championship. But if he's an international player who's won like, the league with Chelsea, he doesn't want to suddenly go and play for Bristol City. Like, well, no, but I'd argue that you're more, much more in the shop window in the championship in terms of going to another club, which is what he's thinking about, than if you go to Turkey. Turkey's another place where you go to die. I think no, I don't think so. Turkey, he goes to be a superstar. It's it's a shame. Uh There there are a few things in life that you just wish happened that don't happen, right? I remember when Joe Cole. I really, really, really wanted Joe Cole, Ashley Cole, and Andy Cole to play in the same England (laughs) side, but there was like a six-month gap where it just wasn't going to happen. I'm like, oh come on, Andy Cole, like just get get a bit of form. And in the same breath, I really wanted Man City to play Chelsea and have. Jesus, Moses, and Rabbi, but, <laughs> but Rabbi is going to get sold. You know, kid, yeah. kid Rabbi, I would have loved Jesus, Moses, and Rabbi in the, in the same football pitch. It would have been amazing. But I, it makes me tag because I, I thought he, it was like he was unearthed as a player because he was all right when he was at um, Wigan. He you know played as an a, a attacking yeah. midfielder, but then he was he was brilliant at right wing back, and I I just think that's a real shame that again through not getting a chance. His, and if I was Chelsea, I wouldn't be getting rid of him. I'd just be looking at changing formation getting and, and getting him in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, other couple of quick transfer bits. Fellaini might go to China. Um, 
Fellaini was signed after Fergie left. Solskjaer's back in, who talks to Fergie a lot. I think the first thing he said was get the, rid of that bloke. <laughs> Look, I He's going to be unfairly maligned for the rest of his career. It's going to be a perfect window of the Fellaini years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to racially stereotype. However, I can't wait to see Fellaini standing next to a bunch of Chinese blokes. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be the tallest guy in that league. I mean, that, that's outrageous. And they just pump the ball up to him. Um, Murata has... Gone to Atletico and Higuain has gone to Chelsea. We talked about it yes. last week, maybe happening. Uh, what do we think of this? Murata, bit of a flop, Premier League. Like he's he's obviously got ability, just didn't work. Look, I'm going to go back to the Labrador analogy. I, I think that Higuain could be a Labrador as long as it makes Hazard play on the left. Anyone who yeah. Sarri trusts to play up front would have got chosen. So Iwain happened to be available with this convoluted loan yeah. with it, to buy deal. But I don't think it mattered. I think anyone who Sarri had worked with before, who he trusted in the system, that gave the you know, gave him the freedom of using has on the left, he'd yeah. purchase. So I don't actually think it's about Iguain. I think Iguain could score no goals and it would be a success if Hazard is playing on the left the whole time. And he was brilliant in the um, Carabao Cup. Playing yeah. on the left against Yeah, of Spurs. course. Like, and, just... and with someone who knows Sarri's system up front. Yeah, and Higuain had his best season ever under Sarri at Napoli, so it makes sense. But even if he scores no goals, I tell you, it's a success. But the last thing, I don't know why they didn't use Giroud as that, but I guess because he's under Sarri's system. Yeah, true. Um, we better move on because we're running out of time. Couple, quick, couple of quick things. Saying that quickly is difficult. Um, Asian Cup, the final is Qatar v Japan. Qatar got to the final, just putting it out there. That Qatar are hosting the next World Cup, it's rigged. <laughs> Amazing that the ones with the money get it just even at international level, <laughs> the ones with the money win. It's fucked. Um, <laughs> it is. Um, has anyone got any side stories before we go on to the future? I've got one. Yeah, go on. Uh, you know, we we've, we've covered some uh, some serious issues tonight, and the the world gets you down every now and then. So sometimes with a side story. You just want to hear about Big Allen. Did everyone see this? No. So the Knox County owner, uh, whose nickname is Big Allen, was very active on Twitter. And uh, after the game, he was tweeting because uh, he was showing uh, two tweets from the same fan, one praising him and wishing him a Merry Christmas, and then another one saying, you need to get the sack. But... In one of the tweets, he'd had his photo uh, roll open mm. at the same time, and so it's captured in the screenshot. And in one of the pictures, Big Alan has is introducing everyone to Big Alan, <laughs> <laughs> and has has cock out in the picture. And uh, I think he's going to face some FA sanctions. But I just thought that's that's. Brilliant. You see, Andy Murray did that this morning. What? We put a got his, of his cock out. Up. Yeah, we put a picture of his hip and his X-ray. Yeah. And his X-ray had a sh- had a sh- had a shadow indent of his, of his cock. Oh, but it's an X-ray. That's a bit hip. different than yeah. full frontal. Well, when, when I when I when I read it, I'm like, oh, can I see it? And then I was examining this X-ray for a cock, and then lo and behold, <laughs> there's Andy Murray's penis just right right in front of me. So I, if you've not seen it, you know, dig, Instagram. dig it out. Um, <laughs> <You're kidding. laughs> my side story is the fact that Thierry Henry got fired for Monaco. Um, after Poor less time, Thierry. I don't know how long he was there, but less time than Gary Neville was at Valencia. That's all I know. So if you're a not long Sky Sports pundit, 
basically not a very good manager, apparently. But they've also rehired Jardim, who they fired three months ago. Yeah, bizarre. Like, I feel very They're a bit sorry. of a mess. Uh, for Fabregas. Yes. Fabregas only went there because Henri was there. And now Henri's not there. And Henri's been there for the whole January transfer window and spent loads of money, bought all these guys in, and then he's just been fired. It's naive, isn't it? It's super. Well, it's naive getting him in the first place. Yeah. Um, any side stories, Jeff, or have we got a tune for end feature? No, are you ready? Ready. I hear you missed me last week with the old. Yeah, guitar. we had no tunes, so it's uh, good to have you back. Oh, oh, it's good. Still got it. Yeah, it's good. You, you feel like you improved last week. Did you take a week off just to practice? Yeah, I went to one of those holistic camps where you don't have your phone <laughs> and you don't eat food. You just play guitar. Just play guitar. No, no, I just think about guitar. Oh, and that made you better. Yeah. Be did, the it, did it make you better in feature? Oh, do you know, um, uh, have you seen, um, what's it called? January, the vegan thing? Veganary. Veganary. Or, yeah, veganary. No. Don't That's a thing. Well, you obviously know what it is. Well, I just made it up. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. It's a world movement where you've got to be vegan for January. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah, yeah. Veganary. Are you doing veganary, Rog? Definitely not. Are you doing veganary, John? You've only got no. one day. Do it for a day. Sure. Yeah, it's good for the planet. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Pick up your trash. So, with your. <laughs> whilst you're away, Jeff, I don't think we got better at end feature. Um, we all lost last week, but only by one goal. Jeff, you lost because QPR didn't beat Portsmouth, but you bet on Mill to beat Everton. So that mm. I really thought you'd won when I saw that result. I was like, <laughs> yes, Jeff's rage bet has worked. Rod, you needed Wolves to beat Shrewsbury. Is yeah. that right? And they didn't. Yeah. God. And then I needed Rashford to score for Man United, and he should have, but Martial did instead. Hey, you know, we were banging on at the beginning of the season about how cool it is that Wolves' nickname is Wolves. Like, Wolves. The animal Wolves. When you say we, you were. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know how cool like, that is. Same with Shrewsbury. The, the shrews. <laughs> yeah, they are. That's an animal too, aren't they? So the wolves will be the shrews. Of course, uh, wolves are going to win. Right? Local derby. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like Animal Farm. <laughs> so after your um, in the zoo meditative week away, Rod, uh, Jeff, what did you come up with for this week? So, in a continuation of rage bet, I Ooh. am going to bet that wolves beat Everton. Yep. And Brighton beat Watford. Wow. Paying seven dollars eighty nine. Wow, that's a big mm. old bet. My logic is sound. I won't share it with you. It's sound. Okay, we'll trust you. I don't think it's a good bet. <laughs> um, most weeks I say it is a good bet. So maybe the fact that I think it's <laughs> yeah. not a good bet. Um, Rog, what have you gone for? Uh, I've gone on form. Uh, Fulham are going to beat Palace. Easy. Oh, wow. uh, and Burnley are going to beat Southampton at home. They're, they're two massive. Bottom of the table games. <laughs> all, all hell could break loose in those games. Paying twelve dollars sixty six. Whoa. Whoa! I just think for that's the res- the result of the weekend is the result for Fulham. That'll get them going. Palace home form hasn't been great. Three nil. Well, I I've gone a bit different. Well, not really, but I bet on Cardiff to win um, against Bournemouth. Now Cardiff at home is their first home game after Salah has gone missing. So there'll be some emotion. Yeah, and they played really well this morning against Arsenal. We're actually unlucky to lose 2-1 and could have got something out of uh, it. Bobby Reid had missed a couple of cities. Yeah. Yeah. Ex-Bristol City Bobby Reid. Um, but they're playing Bournemouth at home. Now, we all know Bournemouth have one way of playing, which is attack. And Warnock <laughs> will make sure that they defend well and hoof it up to the big guy up front. Niasse. Niasse. Um, so I've put... 
Cardiff to win and over two and a half goals in the game, and that's paying four dollars fifty. So that is my bet. I think your logic is sound, John, but you're still going to lose. I think you're probably right, Jeff, but it's been fun doing it anyway. <laughs> um, has anyone got anything before we go? No, no. Just, just if you're listening at home, make sure the next thing you do is listen to Guardiola talk about Elton John. <laughs> yes, yes because that's a good bit of homework, Jeff. Oh, it just makes you. What's his favourite song? Did he? Does he say Tiny Dancer? Really? Yeah. Wow. wow. Appropriate for pet. Um, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Thanks for know, listening, everyone. Way his teams play. It's very tippy tappy, balletic. Yeah. <laughs> um, we will be back next week. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, or you can find us on social media. Just search footballshed and leave us a review. Tell your mates. And thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. See ya. Bye.